everybody, my name is Jaden Pear. I'm 18 years old and I'm majoring in sports media and communication with a possible minor in Native American studies. For my world ethnography project, I decided to read A Different Kind of War Story by Carolyn Nordstrom. It was published in 1997 by University of Pennsylvania Press. It is an ethnography of political violence. This story takes you to the front lines of one of the most brutal wars in recent history. In fact, 1 million out of 16 million died in the war and one force were dislocated from their homes. Fully one half of the entire population was affected by the war. The reason why I chose this book specifically is because this ethnography isn't just an ordinary book about war and violence. I liked how Carolyn Nordstrom studies the lives of the people and their own experiences of the war. And another factor to why I chose this book is because of how the civilians work towards improving their lives and living as they did before the war. Nordstrom is currently the professor of anthropology at Notre Dame. Anthropologist Carolyn Nordstrom was born September 26, 1953. Her work focuses on the real, messy, local experiences of violence, resistance, survival, and creativity in actual communities where war occurs, rather than in the comfortable offices and remote institutions of military officials and political leaders. As I was reading this ethnography, I questioned that if violence is learned, then can it be unlearned? Conflict can be solved without violence, but war is a cultural invention. War is invented, learned, and enacted. Modern warfare is embedded in a global system of war making. I will be discussing the war and how it took a million lives, mostly civilians, how it destroyed homes, crops, hospitals, etc. I will also be discussing how Nordstrom tells, often in their own words, what Mozambicans experienced and how they all begin to make up the cultures of violence and their survival that shapes their lives. Also, how Nordstrom explores the nature and culture of violence experienced and the remarkable creativity that people bring to surviving violence and rebuilding humane worlds. In the story, there is a passage that says, I love this country and I hate it. It is my country. Its blood flows in my veins. No one who has not lived like this can understand. The war has gone into us all. It lives in us, affecting our every move and thought. If I walk outside, I wonder if today is the day I will die. If my brother is late coming to visit me, I wonder if he has been kidnapped or killed, and that terror lives in me. I have not heard from my mother. She lives in an uncertain area behind Renamal control, and I live daily not knowing if she is dead or alive, whether her spirits are calling for me to do a proper ceremony for her, or if her body is calling for food and family. You do not have to see the war to live the war, and that war lives in all of us. Just a quick overview of the war itself, between 1989 and 1996, Nordstrom made multiple visits to war-torn areas in Menzumbik, a Southeast African country racked by a 15-year civil war after independence from Portugal. Nordstrom consistently found people who resisted and defeated the political violence of war by attending to the day-to-day -day matters of their community, which includes sharing food, healing wounds, repairing lives, teaching children, promoting rituals, exchanging friendships, rebuilding places, and creatively reconstructing the every patterns that constitute a meaningful life. Nordstrom stated, My goal in this book is to explore the widely shared cultures of violence and the profound creativity that defeats not one side or the other, but violence altogether, while attending to the very personal experience of violence and peace building in people's lives. My first point is violence. It is important to understand the processes of war and peacemaking is to give voice to all of these interconnected experiences. Writing people's experiences of violence is more difficult than writing about violence. Where you are treating a person's experiences of violence with dignity is arguably the most important part of studying and writing about violence. Nordstrom tells a story of Anna to explain the question of what violence is. 
Anna lives on the outskirts of one of the larger towns in Zambezia. She had arrived a year or two before, a refugee from the war in her own village. She had fled an attack and before fleeing, she had seen one of her sons and a number of her friends brutally murdered. When she ran, she took her youngest child with her, but lost track of her husband and the rest of her family who had scattered to avoid the violence. As she paused to look back at the village where she had grown up, she saw flames consuming her home, the market where she bought her goods, and the houses of her friends where she went to talk and share chores with. As she tried to reach safety, she was captured by a group of Renamal soldiers. She was raped and beaten. One night, she and her child slipped off quietly into the night and ran, hungry and full of fear, until dawn. She walked, her child in her arms, for days, living on what she could scavenge from the land until they came to a town. There she was told she should try to make it to a larger town several days walk away. There she would find refugee assistance. Along the way, she had met others in her predicament, and they made their way to the new destination. There was a refugee center, but it was like nothing she had ever seen before. There was food, but not much. And there were houses, but like small huts all crabbed on one top of the other, stretching as far as the eye could see. Not long after she arrived, she and her child moved in with the man she had met. He was alright, but he beat her when he became angry or frustrated, which was often. But she told herself it was better than being alone and on her own. Anna was troubled by the fact that she had not been able to do a proper burial and ceremony for her son who had been killed in the attack on her village. She was worried about what would happen to his spirit and what that would mean for her and her family. She was never able to express the grief she felt. Anna was hungry, her child was hungry, and she had nothing. All her possessions had been lost when she fled her village. Many people were in her position as well, refugees who had lost everything and fled here for safety. The thing that kept Anna going was dreaming of returning to her home village, of finding her husband and the rest of her family, of rebuilding and replanting her machamba. But she was pregnant again, and what would her family say to that? In all likelihood, the pregnancy had resulted from the rape she suffered at the hands, so to speak, or Renamo. She heard women gossiping about other women who had returned home with one more child than they had left with, only to be cast out by their husbands. So from where Anna stands, you see that the violence extends out from her world in many directions. There is a violence that extends into her home, then you have the violence unleashed on the community, the violence of being an outsider, then there is the violence in her memories, finally there is the physical violence of the war itself. Each story, each experience is as personal as its narrator, but all taken together begin to make up the cultures of violence and their survival that shapes the lives of the Menzumbiakins. My second point is surviving violence and rebuilding humane worlds. There were many ways people worked to subvert terror and destruction and to reconstruct a purposeful social universe. Average civilians on the front lines set up remarkable resources. People established services to find lost and kidnapped family members, find homes for orphans, and care for the wounded and maimed. There were also healing ceremonies and even classes in primary schools for the war traumatized, as well as organized informal food exchange programs, markets, and resource centers. There were initiated communication networks to inform people about attacks, troop movements, political developments, and safe zones. Often people provided community service on the front lines at considerable danger to themselves. Under the circumstances of war, people still worked to provide and prepare for the civilians in Mozambique. Teachers worked without texts, writing materials, or supplies. The children were taught to master writing and do school lessons by writing in dirt under the trees with sticks. Education is a valuable survival tool. It is a symbol of hope for the future. 
There were traders who carried messages for families and friends separated by the fighting. They conveyed details on deployments and dangers and transmitted critical economic, crop, trade, and political news. They forged trade and social networks through the disordered landscapes of violence. Children as well as adults create systems of knowledge and survival. Children often have the most current and detailed information on attacks, troop movements, zones of safety and danger, and resources. Establish an organization on the streets to help care for the younger children and newer arrivals, helping them find safe places to sleep, food to eat, and a bit of clothing to wear. Most people did not create abusive systems of self-gain and power. An example is the concepts of African medicine. Healers develop methods to help people survive the war in a humane fashion and to institute peace-building processes. Mozambicans have a commitment to unmaking violence. Violence is a fixed phenomenon. Violence is made and those exposed to violence learn violence. Mozambique stressed that if violence is made, then it can be unmade as well. So if people learn violence, they can unlearn it. In the book, there is a passage that says, Sure, when people come here who have been exposed to violence in any way, we take care of them immediately. Their physical problems are first priority, as so many are close to death with disease, beating, starvation, who knows what. But their mental state is as important, and we make sure they see a healer as soon as they are able to calm their mental state. With what these people have seen and been through, their minds need as much attention as their bodies. But this is not the end of it all. We ask everyone who arrives to see a specialist in healing the war. These people, they've seen so much violence, it can destroy them, or worse, those around them. Because people have learned violence and they continue to act on it. So these specialists, they treat people, they teach them how to live without this violence, they take the violence out of them. It takes strength to learn how to stand up to the violence and to defeat it. The whole community is expected to help. The healer teaches the person how to live into a healthy community life, but we have to be sure it works. You can tell someone to go work a plot of land, but they are battle scarred. They may just not be able to move. We walk with them, talk with them, reach into the earth with them, coax a sheet into food with them. We encourage them to do the ceremonies that protect them and their families and lands, appease their ancestors, make our community healthy and safe. You walk someone through these daily acts with the help of the healers. We don't fight one side or the other in this war. We fight the war itself this way. We resolve the war in this way, and we heal its wounds in this way. Woven in this book has demonstrated through medicine, justice systems, art, education, religion, and daily stories, and across diverse language and cultural groups, they come together into a political movement. There is no leader, no institutional basis, no strategic text. War against violence ultimately proved to be successful. When average civilians met violence in the way of rebuilding town and citizenry, they didn't need political institutions to build community structure and to keep social order. Average civilians unmade the possibility and the power of violence, and in doing so, they set the stage for peace. They created the conditions of peace, made as an impossibility. Overall, I found this book informative on the real insights of the war and how violence is personal. That everyone feels war differently. I gained a deeper understanding of the realities of the Mozambicans and the violence they have faced. I would recommend this book to anyone who wishes to understand the in-depth tragedy of war and what it has done to the civilians, but as well to see how despite all the horrific things they've been through, 
they didn't give up and worked towards a life before war. This is Jaden Pear. Thank you for listening.